each other compliments, not like half-assed, meaningless compliments. Yeah. Like when you're on the tube and you actually and you think, oh, I like that person's shoes, and you whisper it to the person next to you. Tell that person that you like their shoes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host Rai, and each week I bring you a guest from the creative industry, and we discuss all things life and culture, all while sipping and sipping some hot chai. Now, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you stream your podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories on social and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall just shares the love. Now, without further ado, let's warm up our cup as I'm sipping on some nice masala chai with some adrak. Hopefully, you will be sipping on some good chai too although according to this episode i should be sipping on according to the guest some kashmiri chai and i'm waiting for the guest to make me some kashmiri chai so um <clears throat> if you're listening to this make me some kashmiri chai but from the theater tour that is taking place around the uk which they have written and are starring in vitamin d please welcome actor and writer sahar shah your first Five second rule question is, if we were to open your fridge, what are three things we would find? Go. Cheese, milk, uh, some sort of mechanic. Ah! Uh, five seconds, five seconds, five seconds. <laughs> okay, wait, cheese, milk, same some thing. Sort of, some sort of mitai. Some sort of mitai, okay. Are lots you... of dairy, lots of type 2 diabetes issues. And you used to be a dietitian. This is a very interesting yes. Yes. Okay. In 2007, you did a play called Bright at the Redbridge Drama Center playing Norma. <laughs> okay. With that in mind, what are the three rites of passages any emerging artist just should absolutely must go through? Rejection, exception, and it's very no. small audience. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad at this. So everybody should go through rejection, which yeah. I agree with you. I feel like there's too much niceness in the world right now. Yeah. And then what was the second one? Exception. Like you're accepted by yourself of being in this industry. And the third one, I started saying small audience. You need to perform to a small audience because it humbles you so much. Yeah, so agree with that. All right, your second question. In 2022, you worked with Samina Hussein on Take Care at Leeds Playhouse, whom mm-hmm. I absolutely adore. I attended her workshops and I've talked yeah. to her and she's like just such a gentle and playful Amazing. soul um but with that in mind give us three traits of a person who enters our lives and is becoming a best friend oh, or a, or a colleague that's becoming like really close to us or romantically is you know coming into our world where they know you and they will take care of you uh the worst guest of gyro is right no, that's not true that's not true there's been <laughs> like, lots no. of there's lots of people who just can't, and I wouldn't as well. That's why I do it. But what is a trait that you look for in somebody that becomes really close in your circle? Would you say one trait? Uh, non-judgmental. That's very hard. We're all judgmental. Agree. Yeah. I'm. We, we all. Everyone makes snap judgments. Absolutely. But I think if someone like tells you something that is different to your experience of life, and even though inside you might be like, "What the? F- oh, am I allowed to swear? Should we not? Yeah, actually? go for it. Oh my god, the hell up. If you're internally like, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" But not to immediately assume like, "Oh, I know who you are because you just told me that this is your view or this yeah. is." an experience you've gone through so someone who actually like listens to what you're saying and doesn't doesn't immediately start piecing together their story of you based on an hour that you've met each other fascinating because I think so but like you said we are as humans we everyone's judgmental right yeah. but if you if you've just met someone quite recently and you're having a conversation and then based off of three things they told you you're not going to be like oh this person's like xyz and then you start saying that to other people like oh yeah I met right and he said this that means he's a twat <laughs> a twat yeah <laughs> So yeah, uh-huh. non-judgmental. I think being self-aware of yourself gives is a is a good characteristic of when you're connecting with new people and your own judgments. Yeah, I'm the opposite of that. That's why we get along, babe. But that's why I also have less friends. <laughs> Because people get my darkness and my sarcasm and my stupidity. Okay, your third and last question. Oh, God. Okay. 
you played recently. PC Sunita Chowdhury. I did. Doctors, very cute by the way. I loved your like. This pickle is delicious. Oh, that line almost killed me. Almost lost did it. it? Honestly, <laughs> honestly. But enough about that. Okay, and all the good things that you're doing and vitamin D and blah blah blah. Let's bring you down. Let's humble you. Let's bring you back to your old days. Tell us three times with that in mind where you have broken the law. But doing a Welsh accent, okay? I'm gonna give the you. Welsh... Two... Oh, Tell me three I... things. Three things where you've broken the law, but in Welsh accent. Go. Uh, I went through a red light, and I've done speeding. It's very car related. All car related. That was a terror. That was. Ad- that was ad- no Welsh accent. No. It was a story. <laughs> no, everything's related. You're also stereotyped female South Asian drivers again. I do. I do drive like. I drive like a rude girl. I drive like an East London rude girl. I really do. Why? Why? Wow. I don't know. It's the music. Everything's bass is pumping. You know, it's I grew up around Ilford. Yeah. So I can't that that's my explanation to that. Wait, what song is like what song is pumping? Like, are we listening to English or like this song? Um, It depends. It's either if it's this. Sorry, it's... should we say Desai for the for the for the, you know, the people who like to talk like this? No. Who are, who are brown, but also no. like they know the language. And Desai. Anyone who says Desai can get Ash- in Hashtag Desai. No, get in the bin if you're saying Desai. No, it's just Desi. So if it's Desi music that's making me speed, then it will be Bhangra. And if it's something like Western music, then it will probably be some UK garage. Probably. <laughs> I have a cough from the flu, so I just muted myself. You 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 cough away, babes. No, no. Um, yeah, it'll probably be UK garage, to be honest. And then my gum fingers will start coming out. And then I'll be like, oh, oops, that was a red light. Have you ever prayed a rude gal somewhere? Have I played a rude girl? No, it's just my inner inner personality type. It's, I've, I've never played a rude girl before. Would you Would you ever like to play like a chavy like rude girl mandem tings? Oh, sorry, that was so funny the way you just said that mandem tings. Mandem tings. Um, mand- would you like to play mandem tings? Would you like to? One would. I would terribly love to. like to. I would. I would love to. I'd awfully terribly like to. Um, I just don't. I don't think anyone would cast me like that because yeah, I just. I don't think I'd get that role, but. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to play someone like that. What is um, like an ultimate role that you're like wanting to do? I know that sounds like a wanky question because a lot of no. times casting directors or like people when they do CV surgeries ask that. But yeah, what would be like a thing that you're like? I'd really like to play a Bond villain. Oh, that's badass. That is badass. I do think more South Asian female or just like, I think just in general, people, women just need to play more badasses. Like, have you watched Red? The film, I've always, that is a film that I've watched like a million times, but never in full length I've always watched like sections of it I found was it Helen Mirren is in it right yes I find her performance in that film I think the best like there's something about it that's like so gratifying to watch yeah definitely and I feel like those sort of movies and like just how you were saying like in Royals playing a badass or like a spy I feel like those things need to exist more yeah and especially like in Bond films I think especially like being someone who's South Asian and I want to be the villain I want to be the person who's trying to kill James Bond or like trying to do something else but James Bond keeps pissing her off because he's getting in the way and she's trying to like yeah. you know take over the world or something like that that's that's who I want to play it's Ashwarya who screwed it for us is what I'm saying it's right? Ashwarya. like she was offered the role she was like no sorry I really think I really think she should have you know I really think I she, think she should, have should have as well I think she, she didn't think about the impact domino effect that it would have I feel like Priyanka thought about it with Baywatch and like all of the things that she's doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, in my opinion who would have been a great Bond girl at the time or even now Sushmita Sen I think more so than Shwarya I would have voted for Sushmita I agree she but then I feel like she it, it would have fit into the Famke Jensen sort of role hmm. with something like that because I feel like she has that energy within her do you know Sushmita is playing a transgender person in she a film scene what yeah, because no, I did not know that. Because one of the Kapoor girls just played a transgender person in a film, and now Sushmita is playing one. Oh dear. I mean, progression for the sake of some progression, now. Uh-huh, exactly. Some progression. Anyway. Anyway. Into the interviews. I'm intrigued to know. Uh, from, we're going to segue from acting into other stuff and I'm intrigued to know your thoughts on the audition room, the positives or the challenging things. And yeah. I was recently watching um, Viola Davis's interviews and she talks about like audition tips and what monologues to have or how she chooses her monologues. And I wondered if you had any sort of like gems that you feel like have kind of like fit 
for you now and mm. that work for you that you would like to impart or just talk about? I, when I started off, I ventured into being a creative like a year before the pandemic. So my experience of audition, actual physical audition rooms is actually quite limited because when I started working on auditioning, it's all self-tapes. I have probably been in the room once or twice as a like as a first one as a first time like part of the audition process so I haven't really had that much experience slow clapping it's like wow oh lucky man lucky lucky girl but with with audition monologues when I was when I started uh like tra- retraining as an actor I was very aware that I wanted to pick things that either anybody could play regardless of ethnicity or whatever but also you know you always hear those tips of like make sure it's your playing age and stuff like that or like there's similar background just so that it's like easier for you to get into that character and I do think that definitely helps And then I thought, well, I want to look for South Asian female monologues because that's who I am. That's who I'm going to be pitted as. Um, People already put me in that box. So I may as well find some good, good monologues of South Asian women or women that have some sort of, you know, background that's not from the UK and not white and stuff like that. So I, one of my, couple of my go-to monologues are from a play written by um, Anchuli Felicia King. She wrote a play called White Pearl that was on at the Royal Royal Court um, a few years ago. And all female cast apart from one white man. And then um, they're all East Asian or South Asian female characters. And it's a great play. I absolutely love it. It was the first time that I'd seen non-white women on stage holding space in somewhere like the Royal Court. That's for me, just for me, that was that was a thing. And there was a South Asian character there that I could have played who was my playing age. And she was a little bit crazy and she was really funny and people kind of hated her. And I was like, this is my casting type. this is me I am her um and she's got some great monologues in there where she's like calling one of the other one of the other um uh characters a bitch and she's calling her stupid and blah 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 and she's completely going off on one slightly you know warranted but also she's going a bit far because she's completely lost her shit and that's the monologue that I would like routinely use yeah because it was funny I like funny I like writing funny I like playing funny but also yeah she's like really angry so it was really fun to do that so I've I've done that monologue I think the character's name is Bria um I've done that monologue quite a lot for like auditions or if I'm just showcasing myself or I did that in my final showcase at Kingdom Drama School where I where I trained and there's a couple of other monologues in that same play that are of different characters um I think it's one of the girls who's from originally from Thailand um and she's like this Cali you know from the valley kind of girl and like she's so great and you know she's like oh my god and she's really fun to play as well um she's having a go at her boyfriend at her French boyfriend she's in a very toxic relationship with him and she's telling him that it's over and he's like but I love you darling and she's like you're fucking crazy so (laughs) so a really good monologue to do I I really enjoy it so tips for me are like something that you enjoy yeah a lot of the time I think when I started I was like I have to do something where I will end up crying or Mm. I'm showing a deep emotion which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but actually, if, you're, if you've got a minute or a minute and a half, sometimes you've got even less to showcase what you can do. You may as well have fun doing it rather than thinking, I have to pull this emotion and I have to have a single teardrop come down my face and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you're, if you're going to enjoy doing that, that's fine. But I always enjoy things that I can play with and, you know, swear and fuck around. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. My thing. But I think as actors, we're all about like, sometimes like skillfulness, like, like a gymnast, we want to show our tricks, we want to do that. And you're so right, we forget the the play a lot of the times. I'm interested to know, I'm just going to pick up because I was going to talk about it later on. But you talked about like, and even I have experienced it. And I think if you're uh, what are we calling ourselves? No longer we POC, we're global majority, right? I I, I say global majority quite a lot. Yeah. Sometimes I say POC as well. To be yeah, <laughs> I, I think if you belong to the community of that, like there's a lot of times how we get bought. And I was intrigued to know, as you touched on it, that your feelings on that in regards to not just being an actor, but also mm-hmm. when it comes to being a writer, do you do you feel like that's something that you're going to go into and lean into now more? Or do you still feel like there's an urge to be like... I love identifying as a South Asian artist because again, like I've, that's what people see me as. I can't, I can't turn off my 
brownness. People yeah. see it. I mean, you can't. You I, can't. I can't. I really can't. My nose I is can't. like too too brown. I have too much of a Pakistani nose, and my name as well. Like, there's no way anyone's gonna think that I'm white, right? So I do celebrate, and I'm very. I'm very proud of that and I'm very open about it also because you know where, where I grew up was I was the I'm only done. non-white person so forget about only brown girl it was either, you either had a black kid or you had a brown kid in your class and then at one point I think I was near five and then there was a black kid and a brown girl so they had they had two <laughs> so <laughs> I know exactly bonus so if if people people have done that to me since I was growing up so I I own it definitely as an actor I would say as long as if someone's going to give me a, a role that's for a South Asian woman, as long as it's been written with dignity and respect, and I say those two words a lot, and I say that when I talk about why one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I wrote Vitamin D as well. If she's if she's a South Asian woman and she's not a stereotype, and that's not what I'm playing constantly over and over and over again, I'm not being seen for that same casting type, then it's that's fine. But that's not the only thing I want to play. Like sometimes I just want to play a girl who's got a name that has, you know, she, she could her name could be, I don't know, Sandra, maybe not Sandra, but Sandra, Sandra something like that. And she just happens. Sandra, to- Sandra. That Sandra, yeah, exactly. Sandra, yeah. I just want to play Sandra from Ethic. That's where I'm from. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then she's she's just got real life problems that have got nothing to do with her brownness. So I, I don't I don't shy away from it and I'm quite happy to do that as long as that role has dignity and respect in it. Interested to again elaborate on that. I feel like we're gonna thread things together. I when I had Satinder on here, we talked about authenticity of representation. Yeah. So that goes from a perspective. You're on the group Gangladesh, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Everybody is on who I got and they're like, yes. <laughs> uh, for those of you who do not know, it's a South Asian <laughs> WhatsApp group of creatives. If somehow you get a hold of myself or anybody else and you want to be a part of it, firstly, you got to be South Asian. Yeah. Of, of maybe even three quarters. Yeah, you can yeah. South Asian heritage. Yeah. South, yeah, dual heritage, anything like that. You just got to be of that. And there's some lovely conversations that happen on there, is all I'm going to say. Oh. There are. Sometimes it sparks up. But my exactly. um my question to you was going to be, so you know how sometimes in the group, and we have it when we're talking to people as well in regards to mm-hmm. representation of the story when it's like let's say a Bangladeshi role and that's being played by an Indian person mm-hmm. or a Pakistani role that's being played by a Bengali person yeah. authenticity versus representation I would say it does differ project to project um, and I think I spoke about this briefly potentially I've spoken about this quite a lot before but I think when I we were at Tara at one of the play reading groups and this conversation came up yes. and, um, <laughs> and I can give the example like for, for example vitamin D vitamin yeah. D um is about a british pakistani muslim woman she speaks a mixture of english urdu and punjabi at home and the story is specifically about her having a th- islamic talaq and obviously her mom is a pakistani woman who came from pakistan to england she is muslim she speaks punjabi and urdu those are specific so when it came to casting for r&d when i was when i'd written the play and i'd finished and i was like okay there's loads of brown women in this the main character loki and her mom have to be Muslim, Pakistani, Punjabi speaking. Okay, fine. If they're not originally from Punjab and Pakistan, maybe they're from Karachi, but they can speak Punjabi and they are Urdu speaking and it has to be good Urdu speaking because if I think, if I know it's wrong. Can, we, really... can we give some examples of that? Because I love that, seeing brown actors pronouncing. Have you seen The Crown? Have you seen yes, The I Crown? Have, have you have seen, seen the actor who, who says in the car, where is it, in our culture, we have this saying, Timhari Tapa Tapa And I was just like, <laughs> what? Someone, someone, I can't remember what show it was now, but someone was saying something like, you know, because this is the only word that Muslims say, right, in on TV and in life, we do go around saying Allahu Akbar all the time. Oh, I thought you were saying Astaghfirullah. No, no, no. They say, we, we just say Allahu Akbar on TV all the time because that's the only go word on. we have to say, go right? On. What we just say every five minutes. Someone, someone said Allahu Akbar, someone clearly who's not Muslim, right? And I got a video from a friend going, Allahu what what like because they they didn't they said it they didn't say Allahu Akbar they said it completely inappropriately and I was like this is embarrassing like if if this character is not being played by a Muslim person fine yes you're telling me you can't find one Muslim person to train this person to say Allahu Akbar correctly I'm not having that that's lazy you you are on channel four you're on BBC one you're on ITV you're on Sky all these mainstream channels you're spending so much money on catering give them a few less sandwiches and get a get a 
dialect coach. <laughs> get a dialect coach in who knows what they're saying. Or I'm sure you could grab a Muslim person from around where you are in a five mile radius who could teach you that for free. That's just lazy. So that that's what I did. Whereas whereas the other brown women who were in the show, they didn't necessarily have to be Muslim, even though they were playing potentially Muslim characters. Some of them, I just said they were British South Asian. Their religious beliefs or their background, their ethnic background is not important in the show. So it's not specified. Therefore, I didn't think it was necessary to specify that they had to be Pakistani. So like for the R&D, we had a we had a Gujarati girl who could speak Hindi. And then we like made sure that her mouth was able to hold the Punjabi words properly and spit them back out well enough. So I think there's a fine balance. I think when people say, oh, we just couldn't find anybody, that's you're just being lazy. The best actor was someone who was half Portuguese who kind of looks a bit Pakistani and we just trained them into how no that's that's just silly also depends on the story right so if the story's got something to do with being a specific religion obviously I'm talking about being Muslim that's my story and that's my background but if it's got something specific to do with that religion that area that that person is from or descendant from then I think you should do the work to find the right person to do it but if they just, like I said, if they're just Sandra from Essex, like I said, yeah. it doesn't matter. No, I agree with that. <clears throat> the rebuttal conversation is always that as an actor, you want to be able to play like X, Y, and Z. Totally. If if you're willing to do that, why can't others be willing to do that? So what takes precedence? And yeah, I've recently come to the peacefulness of like, project and specificity and how because you can also find the talent it's also about then becomes about time how much time do you have to train them because if there is representation and if there is but then the director is like we we got a three-week turnaround we need to do this quick this Mm -hmm. person we don't have enough time to work with them to get them to where they need to be but then for me that shows the insecurity of a director and the team that they're not able to put that around that they really are just like, we rather get in somebody who's like manicured already and polished. Yeah, yeah it depends on so many things. Like, for example, the policewoman that I played in Doctors, her name's yeah. Sunitha um, yeah. I, I There was no specification as to whether she was Hindu, Sikh, Muslim. Her character name was already chosen, so she obviously had to be a South Asian woman, I'm assuming. As I'm aware, by the time I got the self-tape, she was Sunitha Chaudhary. And I'm not from... I am obviously from a Muslim background, but Sunita wasn't struggling with her religion or her ethnicity or anything like that. She just happened to be a policewoman who was also brown. So that's absolutely fine. But if you're going to do a story about someone struggling with their identity, being in the diaspora or Islam or something like that, and then I'm just, then I'm, yeah, then you... Hmm. Well, as we're talking about Islam, intrigued to know your thoughts on the Islamophobia and the Pakistan. I I think it's it could be one sided story because I think with the seventy five years of partition stories that last Mm -hmm. year came out and so many projects around it, it just felt like a brunt of things were just coming back that like I personally had buried. Yeah, and it just felt like why are we why are we still talking about this when we have other things to worry about when we have a unifying voice to worry about because so many South Asian creators that I have on here talk about like there's not a unifying South Asian voice versus our other global majority communities a lot of the times and I kind of agree with that but I also don't kind of agree with that yeah just interested to know your experiences on that and thoughts because I also think Pakistani films are doing good now I don't know of any Pakistani films that I have seen in the last five years that pick on Bollywood Hindus Indians or things like that where I can still like Bataan just came out yeah and yeah. it still d- depicts and pulls on from that culture like Legend yeah. of Molajad came out a period story doesn't talk about anything like that yeah I mean I'm I'm not super in tune with a lot of the politics that are happening in South Asia but obviously we do know that in India there's a certain political uh, view that's happening so obviously yeah exactly so we know that that's a huge influence on Bollywood like that's that's very well known I have watched some Pakistani films in the last five years but not many um but from the experience of those films that I've had I would agree with you that yes the Pakistani films that I've watched are are just dealing with their own stuff they're not like pointing their finger or like being anti-Hindu or anti-Sikh or anti-Christian or anything like that South South Asia is such a huge region right I think a lot of work has been done and we've done really well as a diaspora community in the UK, I think, 
to try and find a bit more of a unifying voice. But when you have so many, how many languages and cultures do you have in that region? To try and unify that and have everyone's experiences being the same is impossible. And I think we like to, as we are brown people, we like we love comparing ourselves to other people like, oh, what are you know like they got an a star so we 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 love like self-deprecation as well like oh like that community is so much more unifying they're so much better at doing this why aren't we 100% I agree we should be better we are we still have undertones of Islamophobia within the South Asian community yeah. we still have undertones of like you know being oh I'm Indian you're you're Pakistani or Sri Lanka we forget about so many we forget about Sri Lanka all the time as a community they they are rightly so annoyed and say we're not desi I totally get that hashtag desi hashtag desi we forget about Afghanistan we forget about Nepal we forget about we a lot of yeah we forget about a lot of people and we should be better at it absolutely I agree and and I think with every year every five years every 10 years we do get better at it but you're always going to have a minority of people who are going to be a bit more tribal about things and I say that having said I wanted Punjabi Pakistani people in my show but that's not because I think we're the best it's because that's what my show is about so I wanted the right people in that show to tell that story but then it's not that i'm i'm only going and then seeing or advocating for pakistani punjabi muslim stories i'm also going and seeing and trying to amplify the voices of other people in the south asian community as well i do think there's a problem with islamophobia in within the south asian community i'm just going to say that there is a big problem there's a problem in the uk obviously we know that as well full stop <laughs> <laughs> We're going to switch gears now and talk about your entry kind of like into leaving your dietitian job. What is it? Let's have a look. I've got the notes here. You were a dietitian and public health nutritionist. You studied at the University of Hertfordshire, graduating in 2012, and uh, also studied at the London School of Hygiene at, at, and Tropical Medicine. Tropical Hanji, yes. Yeah, Hanji. What the fuck happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is the age old story. I'll try and make this quick, she says. Of like, I wanted to be an actor since I was 11. So did my sister. Our family is very arty. We don't run very fast. We're not sporty. We're not into that. We are very arty farty people. How many children? Uh, I am one of three children. All girls? No, no. I have eldest brother, then my sister, and then I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Ah, you're the youngest. That makes things so much easier. (laughs) Now you know my personality type completely. (laughs) So, yeah. So I've always, I've grown up of like waking up on a Sunday morning and there's no kalamas or namaz or azan or whatever. It's gavalia, like being bled from downstairs because my dad is listening to them on a Sunday morning at like seven o'clock in the morning. That That's what I grew up around. I My mum plays the dholak um, at every wedding. My, then my, yeah, and then my sister's playing it. I'm doing the jumcha. I'm... Oh my God, I used to do the jumcha too. I'm Exactly. So I'm doing all of that. My mum and my aunties are all going to me and my sister. My sister's name is Suman. Sahar Suman Jakin, Utto Nacho, Utto Nacho, Like, so we're constantly being pushed into performing. Yeah. Like, my parents are coming to all my plays and things like that. So I'm like, I'm going to be an actor. And then I said to my mom, like, can I go to drama school? And mom went, no, funny, funny girl. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. We don't do this. So dashed all my dreams. And also because at the age of like 18, so I Can took- I just I say, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I'm imagining, have you seen, what is it? The Kajal and Shah Rukh film, Dilwale Dhaniya Lejenge, when she's yeah. like, can I please go to <laughs> backpacking Europe? And she's like, I'm imagining that right now with you and your mother. It honestly wasn't that deep. It wasn't a huge argument. I never really fought it either because at the age of like 16, 17, I knew I really enjoyed it. I knew I was good and I got good grades and I got A's and A stars in drama at school in a, in a in a class full of like, what, 10 maximum, like 20, 30 people. I didn't know if I could make it out there. No, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody who was in this industry and... I know it's like, it feels like a broken record. We're always saying stuff like this, but it's true. I didn't see many brown faces. All I had was Nina Wadi and Mira Sayal on TV mm-hmm. and a few other like sprinklings of, you know, some brownness in some soaps here and there. But generally I didn't, I didn't see that many faces. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm a, I'm a maybe I'm a big fish in a little pond, you know? So maybe I couldn't make it 
Anyway, so I talked myself out of it. So I didn't really fight for it. So I thought, okay, I'll do sciences because that's what you do. You know, you're a good brand girl. You become a pharmacist, doctor. I'm not clever enough to be a doctor or a pharmacist. So I was like, I'll go with nutrition. Because <laughs> I liked food. I like eating food. Um, Hence why the and... fruit is diabetic. Exactly. So... Yeah. So, and it interested me. So I thought, oh, this, this is something that interests me. So I trained to become a dietitian and then specialized in pediatrics. And when I was probably like, yeah, about five, six years ago, I guess now I was like, oh, but you know what? Every time I go and see a play, every time I see a musical, every time I see a film that moves me, it sounds really wanky and cheesy, but I'd love going to the theater, but there'd be a little part of me inside that would die every time I watch something. Because it was quite- You wish you were- I wanted to be on the stage. I didn't just want to be in the audience. I wanted to be on the stage. I wanted to be on the screen or I wanted to be writing. And so I would literally feel my heart break a little bit being like oh, I want to be in this world very much like Ariel you know Part of this world. <laughs> I, that was me so I was like oh you know what I'm in my 20s it's been 10 years and if I still want to do it and it pains me I need to just try and see what happens I might be absolutely shit at it I don't know let's let's see simultaneously if I'm going to try and do this I also need to do something where my parents won't think I've gone completely crazy leaving the NHS being a pediatric dietitian now being very respectful and then saying now I want to go off and be an actor so then I decided to do a master's in nutrition for global health at London School of Hygiene Tropical Medicine so I did that simultaneously and then I could kind of like work at being an actor as well as at the same time being a student and also public health doing something that was maybe more desk-based would help me being an actor and a writer as well because being clinical being in a hospital face-to-face I would have less time to write and to take meetings and things like that so yeah so I did that master's and started training at Kingdom at the same time as an actor started writing again and then I was like oh I'm actually pretty good at this it's kind of taking off I'm actually yeah that wasn't all just in my head and then as <laughs> as I was getting better at it and things were going well and I was like mom dad you know this is actually like working they were like haha very good you have backup now this was our plan all along wait I have a question to ask whilst because you said you were doing kingdom was MBS trust and was it Kahani no you got a seed commission from what was it Uh, I got Kahani that was like during covid so that's after that's later on later on yeah got it so what was the moment that you were like okay i'm ready to leave the world of nhs behind and do this plungefully because also finance is a massive thing like oh, going yeah. from a kushti job yes that you're like i could have a mortgage in a house right now i chose to live this way <laughs> did you have sorry to ask an intrusive question but i asked this when do you know pravinder as well who works still as pravinder shagil uh, yes yes i know not very well but, no, I know but her- just not yeah, through the circle yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm intrigued to know because like do you then like plan because your brain is already in a specific headspace do you go like okay I'm gonna have savings I'm gonna do this so I can plan the x amount of years ahead so I I left the NHS when I was doing my master's in like a science subject and starting to become an actor at the same time so I'd I'd already like saved and applied for a postgraduate loan at that time because I was year prior to me leaving the NHS I knew I was going to leave regardless of whether my acting career took off or not I had had enough of clinical work anyway so I knew I wanted to move into public health so I was like either I'm going to become a successful actor and writer or I'm going to end up going and becoming like an emergency public health nutritionist who's going to fly off to you know earthquake, earthquakes and things like that when yeah. it happens and work in emergency nutrition and work in humanitarian aid that those yeah. are the two things that I kind of thought that that's what I was going to do um if the acting thing doesn't work out so that year that I knew that I was going to apply I saved every month a bunch of money to pay for my for my student uh, fees and uh, tuition fees and things like that and then also you know mama and obuji are great like i still live with them you know yeah. <laughs> being south asian is great i but live you, not a lot of stories work out hello no not a lot no true 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 it's not just being about being brown like my family are very supportive and i live in a london suburb yeah. so the creative i'm living in rome you know i don't have to like move anywhere i have a tube station five minutes down the road from me so it works out really well all right well since we're talking about writing and creating and all of those things smartfully so let's maneuver over to vitamin d let's talk about vitamin d a high-end prostitute and I just say that while I was drinking <laughs> surrounded by a secret mythological 
five women. What are they? What are they? Like an agency, let's say. You write that play. I want to be in that play. <laughs> I want to play. I want to play this sex worker. I would and- <laughs> love that. I'm being serious. Write it down. Write it down right now. We're, we're making that. I would love it if it, Mindy was that play. <laughs> that's what I, that's the play I want to tour. I definitely want to do that. Wait, let me just say, because um, when I was researching about vitamin D, and you sent me the R&D, by the way, which I was very grateful for, yeah. but um, you did an R&D and now it's doing a tour and explores Lurky moving back home after a divorce. It's an all-female cast, but what I was intrigued by was this little bit in the Broadway world. So I'm just going to read it. This is a quote. Having moved back with her parents in suburban Northwest London after her divorce, Lurky is facing friends, family, aunties, besties, and the epic decision between jalebi and gulab jamun <laughs> she's searching from something she just hasn't quite figured out what who's sponsoring this ambala nirala Punjab, ambala. all of them gourmet everybody 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 did you reach out to them and just be like i'm writing a play no i didn't i did i did so the first day of our r&d because yeah. i didn't think forward enough yeah. And didn't plan ahead enough. The Monday of our R&D actually was Eid. Ah. Big, big fail on my Wait, part. Choti Eid, Eid. Uh, Choti Eid. So we just had Ramadan. Yeah. And so big fail on my part. I was like, oh shit, it's actually Eid on Monday. I don't mind, but I'm looking for Muslim Muslim actors and I'm going, oh, Muslim actors, I really want you. And then also, can you spend your Eid with me R&Ding a, a script? So I did actually take Jalebis in from Ambala and then I did tag them in my post as well. And they liked it. It was it was a defining moment in my life. Okay. When I come see it, can I bring Jalebis from yes. Ambala? Okay. Yes. Unless, you're, unless you're giving them out. I'm not giving them out. The budget doesn't stretch that far, babes. So you can bring right. them. If you That's want. fine. In intrigued to know how the uh, let's let's break it down how the idea came to be how it developed from the r&d to now and then i'll ask more questions on it after that so the idea came to be as as i'd started acting and thinking this is something i can actually do i'm good at it i really do enjoy it and i think i've got the bones to do this not just as creative jumping on stage and being an actor but the actual business side of it i know how it works and i think i can do this I didn't have an agent, didn't have spotlight. Like I said, didn't know anybody in in the industry, let alone anyone South Asian in the industry. And the roles that I was getting that I kind of had access to and reached to were obviously mostly open calls. Um, And open calls are great. I do them for casting for the work that I do. um, And I've had some great opportunities through open calls. However, having said that, um, there were a lot of roles that I had access and reach to where I was getting scripts and breakdowns where I was like, you're asking for a South Asian woman. And then some of you are asking for a Muslim woman. And these roles are, they're offensive. They're actually offensive. These, these things, these words should not see the light of day because they're rude. They're just downright rude. Because the people who are writing these characters, surprise, surprise, are not Muslim, are not South Asian. You're writing a language that you are saying is Urdu or Punjabi or something. I have no idea what this language is because it, it's, it's made It's Urdu and Punjabi. It it ain't either of those. It's, I'm it's not it Urdu or Punjabi. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I don't know what you're saying. I, I don't understand. So I was like, if this stuff is getting made, surely I can write something, right? From yeah. being a brown, and I and I knew I could write because I used to write when I was doing drama GCSEs and A levels and things like that. So I thought. Where I am now, like six months to a year into making the decision of being a creative, I was like, no one's going to hand me a layered, complex, nuanced role of a South Asian woman who happens to be from a Muslim background. So if no one's going to hand that role to me, I'm going to write it for myself. So that's what I did. So, and then I wasn't just going to write for myself. I was like, actually, there's other women that could be in the show as well. The story is obviously inspired by events that have happened in my life and in the life of women that I've grown up around seeing. Um, I've interacted with them. They're still in my life. Some I haven't really seen for a while. So either in family or family friends. And the the main part of this story is that it feels like when South when a South Asian woman goes through a divorce, I can speak to the experience that that is around me it's so isolating Mm. and you feel like you're completely by yourself and judged by the community that's around you and all the women that are around you but then when I started thinking about all the women that I have known or known of who have been divorced who are mostly from like Pakistani Muslim backgrounds 
or just generally other South Asian backgrounds, I was like, actually, I know loads. But why does it feel like when a woman goes gets the divorce, like, oh, like we like we whisper it, and, and the fact whisper. that it's always the woman's fault as well. Yeah, and then yeah. when we talk about these women as well, like I'm talking about the women that are close to me as well. When we when we reference someone, so if I say, oh, you know, Rai, the Rai who has the podcast, but actually I say you know, right, who's divorced? And that's how, we, <laughs> that's how we speak about women in the South Asian community. Because we say, oh, you know, so-and-so Aisha or so-and-so Saima you know, she ran away from home or the one who married a black guy or the one who married a, a Jewish guy. We always, when we reference women, when we talk about them and we're, we're talking about them in a, in a completely like neutral way, we will reference them in terms of their, either their previous marital status their current marital status or whatever partner they have. So these stories like never leave, we never we never let women forget that, you know, they failed somehow mm. to do their heterosexual relationship. So when I was writing it all, that's where it kind of came from, that it it's such an isolating thing when you're when you're going through it. But actually there is a plethora of women who have either gone through it previously, are going through it now, maybe should have gone through it for the betterment of themselves or just generally have suffered due to emotional abuse in their life or, you know, South Asian patriarchy. That's how the idea came to be. How was the R&D process for you and how many days did you do it? So we did five days, Monday to Friday. And then on the Friday, we had a sharing script in hand yeah. to public and uh, industry, which um, sold out, ding, 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 um, which was very cool. R&D process was intense, but amazing it was my first R&D as a writer I'd been in R&D as an actor before so this was very interesting for me because I've only ever prior to that performed my own writing I have never sat and watched my own writing being performed because I, I wasn't in the R&D this is the first time for in the tour I will be stepping into the role that I wrote for myself so since 2019 when I kind of started writing or started like formulating the idea for the show I've never played Loki so I had a lot of anxiety when I was sitting in that audience you know what watching watching this performance happen because that adrenaline that you get as an actor it um dissipates when you're on stage yeah. like you still have it in you but it like you ease into it but it all you're pushing it out of your body while you're performing all of that adrenaline that I had when I was watching this performance couldn't go anywhere so it just sat in the bottom of my stomach so I was like oh my god oh people are laughing oh okay people are crying oh people are gasping okay is that good and I was looking, sitting right at the back so all I could see was pe- the backs of people's heads so I was watching the backs of people's heads rather than taking notes so that was an intense experience but the actors that we had in the R&D were so amazing I've come away with probably enough material to write another six plays on each of those women because we did so much (laughs) character work they you know we did so much hot seating we did like character skeletons I learned a lot about working with a director I work with an amazing director called Melina Nanda who happens to be a friend of mine as well we actually became friends before we started working together and she's very collaborative so she understood that this was my baby and she handled it with so much care. And she was always the director who like, I sat like maybe a seat behind her when we'd be, or I'd like maybe sit next to her and she'd give something or she'd say something. And then she'd give me a little look and like raise her eyebrows. Like, is that okay? And I was like, babes, it's your room. I don't know. But having that collaborative relationship with your director and then also your assistant director i had an amazing assistant director you had an assistant director in an r&d my 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 your ace grant your ace grant must have been banging the reason that the assistant director was so important as well is because melina is um british iranian yeah culturally and also because she's an amazing director and does her homework she understood the play she totally got it and understood what i was trying to say with it and where we were trying to get it to but she doesn't speak or understand Urdu and Punjabi. Yeah. She does understand some bits of Urdu because of obviously have, being a Farsi speaker and Urdu being having a lot of roots from Farsi, she did understand a little bit. Yeah. But not the same way that me and the actors did. So she's a woman. She's from a global majority background. She understands a lot of the culture because a lot of the culture is very similar. And she's from a Muslim background as well. But she doesn't speak the language. So we need and we have six people in the cast. That's a lot of people to mm. deal with in a in a room and then the script is very emotionally heavy as well so having an assistant director was always on the cards and then we got Natasha Samurai who is a brilliant writer 
and budding director as well, who is Punjabi Urdu speaker as well. Nice. So she, they became like the perfect tag team because Melina had all the experience that she has of working as a director and doing incredible shows and working on incredible shows. And Tash was a little bit more new. I think this was her first assistant or directing job ever, but she's an experienced writer and has all the cultural understanding. So she did language clinic with a lot of the actors who maybe were were Urdu speakers or Hindi speakers, but not very strong in Punjabi or the pronunciation they struggled with a little bit or understanding. So she would kind of drill lines with people or understand that when characters were riffing off each other who were doing improv and a little bit of language came into play Tash was there writing notes or like whispering into Melina's ear going this is what they're saying this is really good she said this and this line's really good let's keep that so having both of them they really like I felt really held throughout the whole process even though it was so intense and that is 100% down to the team that I had in the room Um, actors and directors intrigued to know you all start rehearsals next week right because I was speaking to one of your actors what? Uh, don't you oh my god you're right yes <laughs> not next uh, week next week and then three more days yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very stressful oh my god how have you what have you taken from the r&d into this from the conception of like what has changed mm-hmm. and also what is one thing that you're most looking forward to and what is one thing you're like mm-hmm. there's been lots of fine tuning i would say okay. the, the shape of the play the arc of the characters is is very much the same there's been some fine tuning based on what we did in the r&d how it looked when it was up on its feet and then the reaction that we had from audiences. And then obviously I've had a couple of sessions with Cash, Cash Urshad, who you've also had on the on the on the podcast as well, who's my amazing dramaturg, just to kind of fine-tune some of the moments in the show to just, I just say just to make them hit harder, make them slap harder, make them really feel, get get the audience to the place where we want them to feel. And also the the ending hasn't changed as such, but we've kind of made it so it's not as bleak. <laughs> Where she steals the diamond, she leaves the rich man alone. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. And she kills everybody else. Um, She kills everyone. So, spoiler. So, yeah, I would say without giving too much of it away and saying what exactly those moments are, I'd say it's, yeah, I would say it's just kind of like been fine tuned a little bit more. Nothing major has been cut. Little bits have been cut maybe where a line wasn't necessary. That just happens anyway. That was happening in the room. Like there was, the actors were saying something and I said, no, that that's useless or that doesn't work. Let's get rid of that. Um, or let's change the way you say that. And yeah, giving, giving Loki a bit more like space to really take in what's happening around her because that... That's the perspective we're watching the show from. So for the audience, they are, they're rallying with Loki. So they're on that same journey with her. Kind of like just fine-tuned that a little bit, if that doesn't sound too wanky. Sure. And one thing you're looking forward to the most and one thing you're... Oh, one specific thing that I'm looking forward to. Jaldia. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, I guess just playing her, just being her. Having yeah. there's a specific scene where she again spoiler without being spoiler where she kind of lets go a little bit. I'm really looking forward to doing that finally because when ah. I wrote yeah just kind of like ah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the thing that I'm looking forward to least I don't know remembering all the lines because <laughs> I, I wrote myself a lot of lines. All right, well let's get into rapid responses and then we're gonna play some game. You got a rapid response, yeah? Yeah, but you you learned from when we started this that I'm very bad at this. Just rapid response. It oh. does, there's no timer. It's just rapid response. Name a joy and a challenge of being a creator of opportunities. Joy is um, so self-expression unapologetically. And then a, what was the other thing? Uh, a challenge of being a creator. Yeah. Or self-doubt all the time. Uh, what do you miss about your NHS job and don't? And what is something that you've brought over with you into the industry? I miss the patience miss the missing the the kids and things that I don't miss are the admin and the paperwork because it's way too much it's unnecessary and what was the third thing oh I think that you've brought over compassion and communication ace process you have done now what two ace grants would you say yeah yeah Yeah. all right um three things you wish somebody would have shared with you that nobody did read you have to read everything before you apply read all the guidance 
share the bid with other people to review it for you and get letters of recommendation. They're really helpful. All right, acting from stage to TV, what do you feel like has uh, was your thing, your spark? You know how you explained in the start, you would elicit, your dad would play Cavalis and things like that. So it was kind of instilled in you to go into yeah. the entertainment industry. But what was that, that innate feeling that you were like, oh, I really want to be in the arts. And throughout time, as you've gotten into the industry, do you feel like that has stayed with you or has it evolved into something else? Yeah, I was a, I was a very shy girl. At, um, I'm a proper loud half now and you can't clearly get me to shut up ever um but I was very quiet but when I was acting or being on stage I could be as confident or I could be rude because like you know you have to be a polite brown girl as well all the time so I could do whatever I wanted and that's definitely has has stayed with me even though I'm not that shy girl anymore don't be shy my honey if there was a song that would make it into the play would it be don't be shy by rouge or would it be <laughs> the second and when you come that's fine your writing process intrigued to know how do you create a and how has been your experience in the writer's lab from mf uh, Rosemary Branch Theatres Writers in Residency Programme, Sure Voices to Rifco Theatres Associates. So my writing process generally is very much brain vomit and then clean it up afterwards. All the thoughts have to go on and then I start thinking about structure and form. Characters or world? How do you... I think I'm character driven. I yeah. think a character comes in mind and their problem or their conflict will come to mind first and then the world will start to shape around them. Programs, I have gotten better at knowing that first drafts are going to be shit, but they'll get better. So that has definitely progressed. And then also writing from my own experiences to then starting to write about observed experiences now, which is quite interesting and that's fun. And that's ultimately what writers want to do. You don't just constantly want to put your life on paper and put yourself on paper and, you know, you want to write about other things. And so I'm start, I'm, I feel like I'm starting to do that a little bit more now. Um, how do you balance, which we talked about this earlier, how do you balance your unconscious conscious bias when you're writing a story from a personal experience that you also have to safeguard from, but you also want to be like, oh my God, no, it's justified in the story. I think when you're writing from your own experiences, you have to separate, do simple things like make sure that that character has a name completely different from you. Or surrounding <laughs> experiences, like things also, like that. Yeah. So you have to make the characters not exactly the people that you're that you're gaining inspiration from. So they can't be that exact same person. They can't speak exactly like them. You have to start making differences between them very early on, I think. It's very easy to fall into when you start writing and you kind of make them very similar to them. But then that's what you work on in tweaking. If you've got your own experience, like you've got this person who's a very antagonistic character and they're based off of someone that you know who you hate, but you can't make them just a hateful character in your story. They have to be human. They have to have nuance. They have to have layers. So I think it's okay. Again, like I said, first drafts have to be shit. So in that first draft, they can just be this complete villainous person with no empathy or like absolutely horrible. But then when you get into your third, fourth, fifth drafts, you have to start giving them some shades um, and some layers. Perfect. So tr trusting that process that it'll it'll get there and getting people to read your work and give you constructive criticism is so important. A challenge and joy of being a writer performer. A challenge is that there's never enough hours of the day to kind of do both sometimes. <laughs> But a joy is that I think you get more when you get a script and you read it and you think and then you go, oh, I might take a bit of that. Oh, I might I might use that. You are also a trustee for Stepladder Foundation. Intrigued to know how that came to be, how you got involved in it and just a couple of words on the foundation as well. So um, Stepladder uh, Foundation or Stepladder Program is a um, leadership and engagement program for young people from the ages of 14 to like, we'll say like 16, 17. Um, it's a program that I went through. So being um, going to high school in an area where there wasn't a huge amount of kids from the global majority. Back then, we used to be called BAME. BAME. Um, BAME. So if you're a high achiever from a BAME background, um, a teacher would nominate you to go to uh, a program with all these other kids from local high schools to basically be the leaders of tomorrow. So like I said, I was a very shy girl, even though I love drama and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't used to put my hand up and I never used to speak first. I hated 
public speaking, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Stepladder really basically said the world's already going to put you down the list because you're black or you're brown or whatever. So you need to work harder to get seen. So you go there once a month to do sessions on things that will help you be a leader of tomorrow, whether that's a leader in entertainment or science or uh, banking or politics or whatever it is. So I went through that program from the ages of 14 to 16 during like GCSEs. And so part of the trustees who run that or the trustees for the board of that charity, you have to be an alumni. So um, I was asked to uh, apply for a trustee position. So I did, and then I got it. And then, yeah, so we meet every few months and talk about how we're going to inspire young people. Yeah. All right. Some reflective situations. What words of uh, wisdom would you give to your mirror self today? If you looked in the mirror right now. All right. Carry on doing you, babes. You're doing great. Yeah, babes. <laughs> uh, thoughts on the entertainment industry at large and the South Asian industry within that? I love the entertainment industry. That's why I'm here, right? Um, it has its problems, just like any other industry. Um, but you can only you can only make it better by being in it and doing the work and finding people that who want who have the same mission and same view as you you know like you like you too one thing this industry could do with and without one thing this industry could do with uh how truthful do you want me to be honest (laughs) a bit more empathy a bit more empathy, and it could do without less cliqueiness Mm. um i ask i love asking this question of people i think uh, the three pillars of a person what makes them convicted in their path are confidence and grit in themselves that either comes from within or it's it's brought into your world um spiritualities that can be faith like belief whatever it is and the third is support so that can be support of family that can be support of programs like you were talking about that um leads you on to do things from listening to you you have a lot of things from like a support of family friends and you've done a lot of things if you feel like you didn't have that would you be where you are today and continue and somehow find your path into continuing to do what you're doing today I think I probably still would be here, but maybe not, not that it's been easy, but I have really enjoyed my process of being here. So I wouldn't maybe have had all the experiences or maybe felt as comfortable as I am in who I am as an artist if I didn't have all those things. That's that's for sure. Um, but I think I would have found ways of trying to get them. Yeah, I probably should be a s- slightly different version of myself, but I still probably would have gotten here because I'm definitely I'm quite driven. And once I kind of want to do something, I'll end up doing it, even if I might do it five years later. Peaks and Valleys is about a peak is a high point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Valley is a low point of your personal or professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from I'd say a peak is definitely getting the funding for the tour. That's a huge peak. That was that's been amazing. Keep hustling, it really does pay off. Because this there's been obviously many different plans of how the show was going to have a future. And this was one of the options because the other options didn't work out. So, so we were like, okay, let's take it on tour. Um, and then it happened. So yeah, that's a huge peak right now. And I'm still kind of riding that at the moment, which is great. And then a valley, I would say is during like COVID and lockdown when nothing really was happening. I was obviously writing, but I didn't have an agent at that time. And I was still kind of relying on open calls, which weren't very much happening because nothing was happening. Mm. So that felt like this is like the worst time for me to have decided to change my career and think I want to be a full-time creative now. Maybe I should rethink this. But then I was like, actually I waited 25, 28, however many years to do this. A global pandemic is not going to stop me. So I was like, doesn't matter, we'll just do it anyway. And resilience, you go back into resilience, like keep pushing, yeah. Um, A quick thought on the social media aspect of our industry and the new age influencer creatives. Social media is great, but evil as well. I think it's good for like promotion. I read somewhere recently, I can't remember who it was. Somebody said that they post a lot, but they don't scroll very much. Mm. I was like, ooh, that's really good. So I think it's good to get the word out there about shows I hear about and see about shows and other creatives work through socials. And I try to like clean up my socials as well so that I'm using it mostly for work rather than looking at just what people are up to in their personal lives. Time to play games. The games are called... Super child, play with rhyme. Play 
different sections. If you don't want to play, you sip your chai. If you want to play, you play with dry. The first section is called If I Was. If you were a movie, what would the original title of that movie be? First thing that comes into your head, go. Sahar's Life. Sahar's Life. Tell me the logline of Sahar's Life in four, three, two, one, go. A funny um, take on a British South Asian woman's musings in her life. This is an awful that film. Fabulous. What would the title <laughs> soundtrack be now? Because everything has to have a kind of a song or something. In four, three, two, one, sing it. Sahar's Life. Sahar's Life. Fabulous. Uh, that's a lovely joke. Give me three actors that were starring it in four, three, two, one. Me, you, and um, Judy Dench. <laughs> can Judy Dench play you? No, she can play our mother. Okay. Ooh, she adopts like two brown Pakistani oh, kids, gosh. and she travels. Now this is this is becoming a better film than what I said it was. This is good, right? This this could good. be the next Marigold Exotic Hotel. Exactly. She get the third exotic Marigold. She gets exactly. so inspired by living there that she now wants to open one in Pakistan, and then she ends up adopting two. We had two adoptive Pakistani children. I'm here for it. There you go. If you were a food, what cuisine would you be? A desi food, probably. Okay, uh, anything, any dish particular that comes to mind? Uh, Daibale. Oh, if you were a fruit, what would you be? Uh, passion fruit. If you were a drink, what would you be? Kashmiri chai. With pistachios and everything? Yes. Yes. They don't make really nice Kashmiri chais in the UK. It's really shit. I've never had a come good Come to my house. My mom will make it for you. Okay. Yeah, but you're, you're still meant to come to my house, which hasn't happened. I'll bring all the stuff to your house and we'll make <laughs> no, it. No, I don't mind. Um, if you were a dessert, what would you be? I would be a red velvet cake. If you were a color, what would you be? Like a coral. If you were a clothing item, what would you be? I'd be... A, uh, a bilanga. If you were a scent, a perfume, what scent would you be? Like an actual brand or? No, just like, you know, jasmine. I'd be like a floral, a floral, floral Okay. If you were a flower or a plant, what would you be? Tulip. Fabulous. Have you ever done the following? Have you ever flirted to get ahead? No. <laughs> I do all the time. Have you ever joined the Mile High Club or done anything in public? <laughs> yeah, it's we're getting into the dirty part now. Have you ever peed while swimming? Yes, obviously. Okay. Have you ever forgotten words and made it up on the spot? Yes. Have you ever eaten within a couple of seconds of something dropping on the floor or in the bin? Yeah. Not in the yeah. bin. On the okay. floor. Okay. What would you rather? Uh, cookies or cake? Cake. What would you rather? Rich or fame? Rich. Critical acclaim or win awards? <laughs> Critical, acclaim. Critical acclaim. Critical acclaim. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Apple TV or Disney? Disney. Regional theater or West End? Regional. Paramount or Hulu? Paramount. Fairy tales or mythological stories or real life stories? Mythological stories. World peace or equality? Equality. Dogs or cats? Cats. Jalebi or gulab jamun? <gasps> gulab jamun. All right. This next section is called, can you improv though? I, I, no, okay. So I'm going to give you a monologue to read and these are your points in how you need to deliver it, okay? okay. You need to read the monologue in a Scottish accent, okay? Oh. In a Scottish accent. But whilst you're doing that, your emotional journey is this. You're a three-year-old child whose mother just won't give him any biscuits. And if you need a reference, it's the viral video. Linda, 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 Linda listen. Linda, honey, honey, listen. Listen, right? That is your reference. I'm going to count down from 10. Think of those things. Scottish, three-year-old child. Mother won't give him a this biscuit. This is really hard. In five, you can do this. This is your next, this is your audition. Five, four, three, two. I didn't want to be a fool for you. Just another player in your game for two. You may hate me, but I ain't no lie. Baby, bye. <laughs> Don't really want to make it tough. I just want to tell you I had enough. Might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie. Baby, bye, bye, bye. It started off French a little bit. <laughs> it went a little somewhere else in Europe. I'm also singing it. If you want me to sing it, I'd be so much if better. If you want to sing it. No, I don't want, I'm not going to voluntarily do this to myself, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, you have to, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the timer, Okay. And I'm going to give you three trigger words. You can either do of the following. You can either write, uh, give me a monologue. 
okay an improv monologue of 60 seconds or you can give me a spoken word or a poem of a 60 second by these three monologue these three words or a short play so it's a short play spoken word or poem or a monologue by these three trigger words which one would you like to do a monologue are you sure no <laughs> okay do you want to write these words down yes the words are sag rainfall and dubious 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 <laughs> one of my mom's favorite words by the way i love it all right i am gonna give you a five second head start and then put 60 seconds on the on the clock, on the replay. In five, four, three, two, go. So it was a really lovely day outside. It started looking really lovely. And then the rainfall outside came out of nowhere. My mother had made some sag, but the smell was a bit dubious. But I didn't want to offend her by saying that it smelled a bit funny. But sag is my favorite. So I went over and said, mother, may I try this sag? And she said, no, beta, you can't. And I said, why? Why are you being funny about it? And she said, this is for a special guest. And I said, I'm your special guest. Why Why can't I have it? And then we got into a big fight. Um, and then I packed my bags and left to become a florist. Um, and that is how I started my life as an artisanal florist. Well done. Well done. Well done. That is the end of all our games. You have two oh questions God. left and then you're ready to go. Everybody loves a good rant. I love a good rant. Mm -hmm. You get to have 30 seconds of rant that you put out into the world. However, the condition is you have to start the rant with bitch don't or end the rant with bitch don't. Do you feel like you have something? Uh, yeah. All right. This is Sahasha or Sahasha. No, it ain't. Oh my God. That's my rant right there. That's it. Your Desai, Desai. This is your 30 seconds. Bitch don't. Bitch don't with um, misogyny and um, all this stuff about um representation of women and we're allies of women and all that kind of stuff but when it actually comes down to it you have nothing to actually say or do with real allyship um and done with other women also upholding the patriarchy and bringing us down done with it done with it just fuck it done. fuck it <sighs> well to combat that we're gonna throw out some nice beautiful energy in the world i'm obsessed this year with bringing joy to people and being joyful myself so what is a thing that really makes you feel joyful so that you can be joyful to other people can it be like something like sunshine anything yeah anything sun sunshine makes me joyful i think sunshine makes a lot of people joyful and i think scientifically we know that that's something that makes people joyful well, there's the medicine coming through. There's the medicine coming through. And what is one thing you do to bring joyfulness to other people, would you say? Give each other compliments. Not like half-assed, meaningless compliments. Yeah. Like when you're on the tube and you actually, and you think, oh, I like that person's shoes and you whisper it to the person next to you. Tell that person that you like their shoes. It yeah. makes Because then they go home and go like, oh my God, a lovely girl, like, or boy or man or person or whoever said they like my shoes. And then like, you're buzzing for the whole day because some random person said they like your shoes. That is a nice thing. I'll do that from now on. Yeah. Instead of them feeling like I'm bitching about them and pointing at them. Yeah. Or that you're looking at them weird. It's like, no, mate, I'm looking at your coat. It's actually really nice. I'd like to know where it came from. Look at that. Well, everyone, that brings us to an end. And I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment and subscribe. Show us all some love. Because isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Some love. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go. Which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted and I will sue. <laughs> Joking. Have a great one. And stay curious. Till next time.